Good morning, happy Sabbath. So glad that you braved the cold and the snow to come out this morning, and praise God for that special music. Isn't it wonderful to see Kevin up here playing the piano, and Mick and Sandy, and all the participants here at the platform? Thank you. Today we begin a two-part series of messages that we've entitled, Consider My Meditation, Taken from Psalms 5, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditations. We'll be focusing on biblical meditation for the next couple messages today and next Sabbath. And then we have International Sabbath, the last Sabbath of this month. By the way, you don't want to miss that. It's always a wonderful thing. The worship service and then the food downstairs every February. Before we open God's Word today, I want to invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Sabbath and this reminder outside that though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Lord, we come to you today recognizing our insufficiency that we're all sinners in need of your grace. And Lord, we come to you on this Sabbath thanking you for Jesus, the cross, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we thank you that we can come apart today from the cares of this life to worship you, lay our burdens at Calvary. And we pray that our hearts would be uplifted today. Hide me behind the cross. We pray that we would be able to get a new glimpse, a fresher view of the character of Christ here this morning as we look at your word, for we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. On the screen, I have a picture of a monument. It's a menorah found in Israel. You can't tell by the picture, but it's 16 feet tall, about five meters, and it was done as a memorial to the history of Judaism and You're not able to see it, but there are scenes within this menorah, approximately 29 significant scenes of Jewish history, Ten Commandments, Moses, Ezekiel, Nehemiah. And at the base of the center of this menorah is this inscription there in the Hebrew. It is Shema Israel. And this inscription is notably the prayer that every faithful Jew down to this present day says every single morning and evening, especially during the times of Moses going through the Old and New Testament. And this is what one scholar says about the Shema. The Shema has been described as the central watchword of the Jewish faith, For centuries, Jews have pronounced this single sentence affirming God's unity as their final words before dying, as well as the beginning and ending of each day with this prayer on their lips. They would begin their prayer, their day with this prayer, the Shema, the end of the day with the Shema, and on their deathbed, many faithful Jews would say, the Shema, and it is found in our scripture reading. I want to invite you to turn there, if you have not already, page 209, if you're using the church Bible there in the pew. 
And why don't we say verse 4 together? This is what the Jews would say every single morning and evening and throughout the day. Is everyone there? I'll be reading from the New King James Bible. Ready? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And let's read verse 5 together as well. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Doesn't that sound familiar? Remember, Jesus in the New Testament was asked, what is the great commandment? And he began by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Thou shalt love the Lord, Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I don't know why we as Christians don't continually do this. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every day you got up and you quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5? Maybe this is something that we should do. Get up in the morning and say this prayer, the Shema, before we go to bed at night, say this. And notice that it says, you shall love the Lord your God with how much? With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This was the the reminder every single day that all that we are, all my heart, all my soul, with all my strength, my heart is to be completely God's. I like this modern translation, and it gives a little bit of a different take on it. It's a verse 7. Write these commandments that I have given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. If you look in the New King James Bible, it says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. This gives us a practical picture of what it means to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. It's easy to say that. It's another thing to incorporate it into every aspect of your life. Notice that Deuteronomy gives us this picture. When you get up in the morning, think about God. When you go to bed at night, think about God. Talk about it with your children. Talk about it wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about it from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. This sounds like a radical perspective, a radical text talking about how our thought life, how our actions, what we talk about should be continually based upon God, God God-centered living. We live in an age today where we compartmentalize Christianity, right? You know, you go through your regular week thinking about other things, thinking about the world, talking about the world, and then when we come to church on Sabbath or the world, other people, Protestants come to church on Sunday, that's the time that we think about God. But this picture is quite a different perspective on what it means to have a life of God-centered living. If you love God, you'll love to talk about Him. Amen? How many of you are good with small talk? Some of us are better than others. You know, you're sitting at a place, and many times when you go to a wedding, you notice how sometimes you sit with people that you don't know very well, and for the extended period of time, 
What does it begin with? It begins with small talk. And some of us are better than others when it comes to small talks. And it usually begins like this little weather, what do you do, you know, family, occupation. And you talk about these things. And after a bit, you run out of things to talk about. And I learned very quickly when I was selling books going door to door for a number of years, you have to be good at small talk if you're going to sell books. And I found out the key to coming up with conversation topics. You know what it is? Don't talk about yourself, all right? You get them to talk about something that they're passionate about. I remember I knocked on this door and someone came to the door, a lady with a golden retriever, a little puppy. And at that point, I just tabled my canvas, all right? We usually have a canvas, hello, my name is David, I'm working my way through school. I just said, oh, that is a, an adorable puppy. Now, you need to be a, genuine. I love golden retrievers. We have two golden retrievers. And so I just asked her about the golden retriever, talked about the golden retriever, and she, her face just changed, just glowing enthusiasm, went on and on and on about the golden retriever. And, and I didn't have to ask her much, just just asked her about her dog, how old it was, is paper trained, all these types of things. And she just went on and on about her puppy. And finally, at the end, I didn't even have to canvas her on the book. She said, what are you doing? I'll buy that. <laughs> That's what she did. I remember one time I walked into a, a garage. Um, it was an open garage. The guy invited me in. He was working on a project. Carpentry. I don't know a thing about carpentry, but I followed him around with my bag and asked him about every single thing about his project and he went on and on and on about his project for like 15 minutes and I said oh I was thinking to myself I need to go but he just went on and on and finally at the end he said you know what I'll buy this book I'll buy this book all of us have something that we're passionate about all of us have something that we love to talk about isn't that right Something that just strikes a chord. And what Deuteronomy chapter 6 is saying is that if you love Jesus, you'll love to talk about him. Amen? Amen. We should not be compartmentalizing Christianity and saying, oh, we only talk about Jesus when we come to church on Sabbath. But this perspective of Deuteronomy chapter 6 is telling us that God should be the center of our conversations. Not that we don't talk about other things, but it should be something that is genuinely something that we love to talk about. Amen? Talk about Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Talk about him to your children. Talk about him on the street. Talk about him before you go to bed and when you wake up in the morning. And there's another aspect of this verse that I want to highlight here this morning. Verse 8. And the Jews took this verse literally. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. In the first century, there is documented proof that the Jews would take pieces of the law, put them in animal skin, and bind them to their hands and to their forehead. Now, is this what God intended? This was really a symbolic figure, and I have another translation here, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads, as another translation says. God was not saying that we should go around as the people of God with the law of God bound to our forehead or to our hands. What is he saying? 
in our thoughts and actions. We can actually see this in in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your, what does it say? From your mouth. In other words, this is something that you should talk about, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. Just as a side note here, biblical meditation has been hijacked by Eastern New Age meditation. Some of it's even coming into Christian circles. Now, the difference between biblical meditation and this other type of meditation, Eastern meditation, is that biblical meditation is all about filling your mind and focusing on intelligent things like the Word of God. Eastern meditation is about emptying your mind And when you empty your mind, you're opening yourself up for spirits to come in. That's the reality of what takes place. And so this is biblical meditation. When you focus, when you think about the Word of God and God's character over and over and over again. Ever watch a cow chewing the cud, just chewing over and over and over again? That's an illustration of meditation. You ever have something go in your head? that just knocks around, and you think about it over and over and over again. This is biblical meditation is, not that that's biblical meditation, but biblical meditation is when you put a text in your mind and you think about it over and over and over again. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is telling us that the Christian's life, the thought life, should be continually thinking about heavenly themes. This is not a new concept. You can find it all throughout the Bible. Psalms 119.97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it. I meditate on it. How long? All day long in Psalms 1, 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord And in his law, he meditates day and night. This is all throughout Scripture. The concept of thinking about God all throughout the day. Now, when I look at a passage like this, I'm like, this is very difficult to do. Um, How am I supposed to think about God all the time? Because we have different things like work, We have other things that we need to focus upon. And what I believe that this passage is actually telling us is that our favorite thoughts should be of God. Our sweetest thoughts should be about God. In Desire of Ages, page 83, if we are Christ, our sweetest thoughts will be of Him. Which means that we'll go through our day, we'll think about work, We'll think about doing the laundry. We'll think about doing the dishes. All those types of things come into our mind. But when we have a spare moment, we go to that place in our minds, that favorite place, and all of us have our favorite thoughts, if we want to admit it or not, that place that you want to go in your spare time, the thing that you love to think about. And what Deuteronomy chapter 6 is telling us is that our favorite thoughts, our sweetest thoughts, The place that we want to go in every spare moment should be about God. That's what this text is telling us. 
that that's the place that we should go in our thought life, the things that we think about continually. And this is a challenge because sometimes things pop into our mind that is not from our own consciousness. It's something that just pops in. You ever have a crazy thought that pops into your head? I believe that the devil can plant thoughts in our mind. And I like this quotation, you may not be able to prevent the bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent it from making a nest on your head. You know, if a bird tries to land on your head, you're not going to sit there and just be like, all right, you know, bird nest material. What are you going to do? You're going to swat it away. And so when a thought comes that is not biblically approved, dismiss and replace. Dismiss and replace. And this is a habit that we must continually do on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. And the great controversy really stems in our consciousness, in our minds. That is where the great controversy is. And you can see it at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. There, right before the flood, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every imagination, notice the language here, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And I believe that we're living in an age, friends, where people's thoughts and imaginations is only evil continually. We're getting to the place where it was right before the flood during the antediluvian world. And God wants us to live 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, how many thoughts? Every thought to the obedience of Christ, which means that we should continually be thinking about thinking. We should be continually thinking about what we're thinking. So when something comes, you need to filter, dismiss, and replace with the Word of God. We should not just be this open vessel to allow anything and everything into our minds and just think about it and allow God to think about it. And we should not believe the lie that sometimes we rationalize away and we think, you know what, I'm just going to think it, but I'm not going to do it. That's the, the place that we go. Sometimes we think when someone cuts us off, we think about revenge, right? Oh, if I could just, well, God says well, you need to stop it, dismiss that thought, and channel it away to Scripture. You should have a text for every temptation. Jesus did. When a temptation comes up, have that passage ready. Dismiss and replace to bring every thought into obedience with Christ. Now, some of you may be asking, what's the big deal? Why all this fuss about our thoughts? Why does the Bible say we should meditate upon God when we wake up in the morning, think about Jesus? Before you go to bed at night, think about Jesus. When you're standing in line, think about Jesus. Every waking moment of the day, when you have a spare moment, think about Jesus. Why is our thoughts so important? Why are our thoughts so important? And this is from Stephen Covey, and he makes this interesting observation about where things begin, and he says it begins with the thought. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. 
Let me read that again. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. Where sin begins is in our mind. It begins with a thought. Lucifer became Lucifer because it began with a thought. And we as Christians need to not only be concerned about our actions, not only what we talk about, but what we think about on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. One person, Marcus Aurelius, says this, the soul becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. You want to know who you are, do an analysis of what you think about. What are your favorite thoughts? Where's that place you want to go when you have a spared moment, when you have spare time? Mind, character, and personality, 587, the thoughts and feelings combined make up the moral character. If you want to know who you are, what do you think about, what do you feel? And your thoughts and feelings combined is a description of what is called the moral character. And what God wants to do, He doesn't want to only clean up our actions. He wants to clean up our thoughts. How many of you struggle with what goes on up here? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you struggle with thinking things that you would be ashamed to have anyone know? How many of you are ashamed of a thought that comes in and you allow yourself to meditate upon that thing? And this is sometimes, many times, how anger begins. Someone gets you angry, you think about it. Over and over and over again, it becomes a doctoral dissertation by the time you're done, right? That, that's what happens. That's what meditation does. People that do doctoral dissertations, they've been meditating upon that a long time, and we should not be allowing those things. When a seed comes, you need to evaluate before you contemplate. Dismiss and replace. Be armed with the Word of God. And I love this quotation from Ministry of Healing 491. Bill Wilson quotes this all the time. He knows it by memory. We need a constant sense of the ennobling power of what kind of thoughts? Pure thoughts. The only security for any soul is right thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, verse 7. The power of self-restraint strengthens by exercise that which is at first seems difficult by constant repetition grows easy until right thoughts and actions become habitual. Which means that at the beginning, this may not be difficult, especially if you have neural pathways, destructive thinking patterns that are there, but by the grace of God, you can make it a habit to think pure thoughts, to think godly thoughts and what was at the beginning difficult, can by constant repetition become easy. Right thoughts and actions can become habitual by the grace of God. So what are the results of thinking godly thoughts? What are the results of thinking and filling our minds with the Word of God and thinking about Jesus? I love this quote from the Great Controversy 555. It is a law, both of intellectual, both of the intellectual and the spiritual nature, that by beholding we become changed. 
The mind gradually adapts itself to the subjects upon which it is allowed to dwell. It becomes assimilated to that which is accustomed to love and reverence. Which means that the things that you think about, you naturally become. Last year, about May, I decided that I would start this Bible reading program. It's a schedule with the Conflict of the Ages series. It's called the Correlated Bible Readings. Now, some of you have seen me hold that pink book up, and some of you have that, that book. And if you want a copy, I don't have as many for everyone, but if you want a copy, just come talk to me. We'll see about getting you one in near time. But there's something about having a system of morning devotions a routine, a ritual. And I listened to this audiobook about having a morning routine, a morning ritual. And when I was listening to the book, it was almost OCD. I mean, it was just like, you know, have your clothes out in a certain place. He said, write out your morning routine. So I said, okay, well, let me, let me try that. So I would write out my routine for the morning, get up, wash my face, go downstairs, let the dogs out, squeeze the lemon juice, and then there was the trigger, and I would say, right after that trigger, I'm going to open my Bible and read through that daily reading, and afterwards, I'm going to have my reward, which is the check mark. You know, that's my reward, okay? So, I, I just feel so good when I have that check mark. So, you have the trigger, the routine, the ritual, the reward. Every habit has that, by the way. The routine, the ritual, and the reward. So you go through that, and I put the check mark, and I just... So that has been the daily habit, and by the grace of God, I started in May, and I finished reading the entire Bible in November, and I'm on my last book of the Conflict of the Ages series um, of Great Controversy, and it's just been wonderful to have a habit of regularly reading the Word of God in a systematic fashion, and this is something that I believe that we, as people of God, should make it a habit of beholding Jesus every single day. Amen? Acts of the Apostles 5.59, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, He is changed from glory to glory until He is like Him who He adores. This is talking about the Apostle John. He had faults of character, but by the grace of God, he beheld Jesus, he beheld His love, and he became like Christ in character. Patriarchs and Prophets 84, talking about Enoch and how he had a walk with God, and this is how he did it. The infinite, unfathomable love of God through Christ became the subject of his, Enoch's, meditations day and night. And with all the fervor of his soul, he sought to reveal that love to all the people among whom he dwelt. This is how Enoch walked with God. The subject of his meditation, his favorite thoughts, the things that he wanted to think about day in and day out was the the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. How do we do this? I want to talk a little bit about some practical tips and resources that we can do on a daily basis so that we can make sure that we're thinking the right thoughts. We need to begin our morning with a prayer. And this is a prayer that you can pray 
found in Steps of Christ, page 70. Consecrate yourself to God when? In the morning. The first thing that you should do when you get up in the morning, consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be. Take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at your feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. This is a daily matter. Each, day, each morning, consecrate yourself to God for that day, surrendering all your plans to Him to be carried out or given up as His providences should indicate. Thus, day by day, you may be giving your life into the hands of God, and thus your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. When you get up in the morning, say, Lord, I'm yours. All of me. I want to consecrate myself to you this morning. That should be your daily prayer. Come into my heart, into my life, and then spend some time in the Word of God. You can start with 10 minutes. Go up to 15 minutes. Go up to 20 minutes, but spend that daily time in the Word of God, feeding on the Word of God. And then as you go throughout the day, keep your Bible with you. It's very easy today with the phone. You have your Bible with you. You can get an app with the Bible on there, and it says, keep your Bible with you as you have opportunity. Read it. Fix the text in your memory. Even while you're walking the streets, you may read a passage, meditate upon it, thus fixing it in the mind. We should be at every spare moment as Christians. If we're going to follow Deuteronomy chapter 6, every spare moment that we have, it should be in the Word of God. When you're waiting at the doctor's office, you know, skip Facebook on your phone. Read the Bible. Amen? Skip Twitter. Skip the news. I'm not saying that all those things are bad, but this should be the favorite thing that we want to do. Spend it in the Bible. Another thing that you can do, I highly recommend this. We have this in our resource room. If you want a free copy of The Desire of Ages, this was by the Library of Congress recommended as the best work on the life of Christ. And I've read this book multiple times. And in high school, praise God for this class, I had a class called Life and Teachings of Jesus. We went through the Desire of Ages for the whole school year, and we had to memorize paragraphs out of the Desire of Ages. And some of them are still with me to this day. And look at Jesus the character of Christ. There's chapters in this book that are so profound that you'll fall in love with Jesus Christ, Gethsemane, Calvary, the early life of Jesus, and spend time throughout your day and in the morning in the book, The Desire of Ages. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could read through The Desire of Ages this year? You can get your copy there in the resource room and meditate upon Jesus because thinking about Jesus is a whole lot easier if you're touched by His love. Amen? If you're touched by His character, if you're touched by the cross. Desire of Ages, page 83, it would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones as we Thus dwell upon His great sacrifice for us. Our confidence in Him will be more constant. Our love will be quickened, and we shall be more deeply imbued with His Spirit. This is something that we have the privilege of doing as Christians, thinking about the cross. 
the closing scenes, and she says that when we do this, number one, our confidence in Him will be more constant. Our love will be quickened, and we shall be more deeply imbued with His Spirit. I want to close with one quotation that gives us hope. All of us struggle with our thoughts. All of us struggle with thinking thoughts that we should never think. And this quotation from Steps of Christ gives us hope. You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. You cannot change your heart. You cannot of yourself give to God its affections, but you can choose to serve Him. You can give Him your will. He will then work in you to will and to do according to His good pleasure. This is where it begins. Say, Lord, help me. Help me with my thoughts. Help me with things, thinking things that I should never think about. Forgive me for allowing myself to engage in a thinking pattern that is not in accordance with your will. And you say, Lord, help me because I cannot help myself. And by the grace of God, he will work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I want to invite you to stand with me as we prepare to close this morning. Bow your heads with me. Every head bowed and eyes closed as we contemplate the words of Deuteronomy chapter 6, having God's mind, having God's heart, thinking about Jesus throughout the day. And I want to make a simple appeal. I make this appeal every time I preach. If you want to say, Lord, come into my heart today. I want to give you my will. I want to accept you. Do for me what I'm incapable of doing for myself. You want to just say, Lord, Please come into my heart. I want to accept you as my Savior. If that's your desire, just raise your hand today in the quietness of the sanctuary. God bless you, friends. God bless you. Say, Lord, come into my heart. Jesus answers that prayer every single time. My final appeal is this. You've struggled with right thinking. You've entertained thoughts that, quite frankly, you're ashamed to have even entertained. You've allowed things to come into your mind and meditated upon it to the point where it has shaped your thoughts and feelings and ultimately your character. And today you want to say, Lord, help me. Lord, give me the victory over this, the last and final place that God wants to give you the victory. Perhaps he's giving you the victory over your thoughts, I mean, your actions. Perhaps there's even habits that he's giving you victory over with, but the last frontier is the citadel of the mind, and he wants to give you victory over this area. And you want to say, Lord Jesus, give me victory over my thoughts. Help me to dismiss and to replace, to evaluate before I contemplate to make it a habit to think about Jesus every single day, and you want the victory today, I want to invite you to come forward for special prayer. I'm coming forward by the grace of God. I want to have God in my thought life every single day. And today you want to say, Lord, help me to be like Enoch.
Help me to be like Jesus. Help me to contemplate the cross each and every day. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that with you all things are possible. We thank you for the promise that even though we cannot control our thoughts, we can give you our will. Help us today to live the life of Deuteronomy chapter 6 that we'll love to talk about you because you are the subject of our favorite thoughts, our most cherished thoughts. Help us to contemplate the cross. Help us to spend time with Jesus when we wake up, as we go throughout our day, and before we go to bed at night. May you be the subject of our meditation and our daily thoughts. Bless us this morning. I pray for every person in the sanctuary. I pray for the people that have come forward here today. Grant us the victory by your grace. Help us to recognize that right thinking lies at the root of a, of a character that is in line with the Word of God. Help us to recognize that we become like Jesus by thinking about Jesus. Help us to be like you in character, in word, and in thought, and in deed. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.